Welcome back to another episode of Important Miscellaneous Talks. I am your host, Glassware Crossfield, and we are changing the world one podcast at a time. Our wonderful guest, please introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is Deepo Adesina, Syria entrepreneur uh, based out of Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, I think that pretty much just sums it all up. Oh, what's your ethnicity? Uh, so originally from Nigeria. Got you. Yeah. Got you. So explain who you are and what you do for the people that don't know. Yeah, so um, I actually, I run quite a number of businesses, both here in the United States, as well as in Africa. So here, uh, I run an insurance agency and also operate a, a staffing company in Baltimore, Maryland, where we staff for different healthcare agencies. Um, from an overseas standpoint, we operate a ride-sharing uh, business model in Rwanda. So if you think about like the, um, uh, you know, Uber concept is actually what we have replicated over there in Rwanda, but more in the e-mobility space. So, um, you know, I'm an author, professional speaker, you know, just a, quite a bit going on. Well, so that's a lot to unpack. Um, so I'm going to start off with uh, what made you wanted to get into the financial space? Um, I, I felt like, well, number one, I've, I've always been interested in money, right? Uh, but more importantly, I see that a lot of people in our community lack the... Um, lack what I call financial literacy, right? The education is not being taught in the school system. And of course, if you're not learning that in school, it's something that you have to take on by yourself, which most people are not doing. So I kind of took that upon myself, not to only educate myself to become uh, to become more uh, financially prudent, but also create content as well as educate people on how to better manage their money and also how to leverage their money to grow and multiply. So how do you become a better public speaker and do you still get nervous? Uh, great question. So one of the things that what well, naturally for me came as a gift, right? So it's something that I felt like, or I feel like I was born with, but as far as like honing that skill, one thing that really helped me out a lot was that back in 2000 and six, when I was still, a, I think, a junior, a sophomore in college, I joined an organization called Toastmasters. Uh, that was at Morgan State University, uh, which I started with a couple of my buddies and I, and that really helped me to really hone that skill as well as network with other people who are a lot better than I was, which, you know, of course, the same goal that you become like the people you associate with. So I kind of just picked up on a lot of their habits, language, and got better at doing that. Uh, do I still get nervous? Absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. If I'm speaking to a large group, um, before I get on stage, I'm nervous. But the moment I get on stage, it's, it's a different ball game, right? So mm -hmm. um, even before coming on this call, it's that little nervousness that comes in. But once the cameras are on, once the you know people are ready, I'm ready, it's, you know, uh, the, the, the butterfly goes away. Um, just wanting to get into your background a little bit. Uh, uh, were you born in the U.S. or uh, Nigeria and then migrated? Uh, born in the U.S., uh, but when I was a lot younger, around two years old, my mother, my parents took my immediate younger brother and I to Nigeria, where we stayed. Um, we came back when I was around 11 years old and, uh, you know, stayed here for a while. We went back when I was 16, came back when I was 18. And now I just go back and forth because we have businesses down there as well. Do you think, um, you know, the African stereotype, um, you know, loving money, do you think that that it comes from there? Uh, 
not not necessarily because you have some you know some Africans who are so you mean like as far as like my my interest in money yes oh no I think uh no because you have some Africans who are not financially prudent who are you know uh, they don't believe money is everything, right? So I think it all has to do with who you are as a person and what your personal goals are. Uh, for me, I've always known that I was going to be wealthy. So, you know, ever since I was young, I've always bought and sold something, right? Because of that entrepreneurial spirit. So um, I won't say necessarily that that's why. Okay. I'm African too. So I I kind of, you know, there's always a stigma that comes with us. We love women and money. So, you know. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. What part of Africa are you from? Uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. What would be the biggest piece of financial advice that you can lend someone? Um, Number one, never spend more than you earn. And number two, save a percentage of your income. Um, the second one is probably the biggest. Right. Because I've read plethora of books. I've studied a lot of wealthy people. And one of the things they all have in common is that the the ability to save a portion of their income, not just for saving purposes, but to be able to invest or start something. Right. Um, that's been one of the secret ingredients that keep um, that separates the wealthy from those who are not so wealthy. Right. Um, so it's not necessarily how much money you're earning but how much are you keeping? You know, that's important. What are some of the biggest financial mistakes? That I've made? Uh, that people make in general. Oh, oh. And you could tie that in with what you've done. Gotcha. Okay, okay. I, I think um, trusting the wrong people with your money, right? Because peeps, a lot of people have business ideas. A lot of people have, you know, come to you with opportunities. And most people are not too... Um, they're not prudent enough to do their research as far as what to invest in, right? Is this a good opportunity? So I've done it before where friends came to me and said, hey, this is a great opportunity. And from the surface standpoint, it looks great. I put money into it. A couple of months down the road, it's a different story, right? So um, I, I would say that's probably one of the biggest ones. You mentioned something about um, saving a percentage of, of what you make. What would be a good percentage to start with? Like, what would you recommend? 10, 20, 30? 10 is the, is the, is the, is the go-to, but, you know, at least from my interaction with people who, who never saved anything, that's even too big. So I always tell people, if you've never cultivated the habit of saving, that you might want to start with 1%, 2% based on your level of income, right? Um, and then you, from there, you grow to something larger. Uh, personally, I don't do 10%, right? I do a lot more than that because of the type of goals that I want to accomplish. But if you are in the position to definitely start with 10%. So with saving that money, what would be the best things to invest to get a return on your investment? So there are different things, right? Uh, I'm a huge proponent of cryptocurrency, right? Um, and then you have, you know, of course, you have the stock, you know, stocks to go to. Um, you have mutual funds. I don't do, you know, any, you know, any investment as far as like mutual funds is concerned, but just options that people have out there. Um, you know, um, index universal life, which is, uh, you know, something I'm a huge proponent of as far as like being able to leverage your money to grow it long term. But from a, from like a basic standpoint, 
if someone is not really too keen on investing, you definitely want to go the route of putting your money into the market and more so from a long-term standpoint. Uh, the challenge we have with people in our generation is that a lot of people are looking for get rich quick. They want to be able to flip their money in two months and three months, but it's not realistic. You know what I mean? So if you're going to put your money in the stocks or cryptocurrency, you have to think into the future before you even start to, to, to dive into it. What about real estate? Absolutely. Yeah. So you have real estate, you have, you know, so now you're talking about business wise, right? Not necessarily, you know, mm -hmm. investing. We got to separate the two. Investing, you put your money in and your money's working for you, right? No input on your end. You talk about business, real estate, obviously you're either flipping, you're, you know, you're buying and renting out. So it involves you actively doing something initially, right? So yeah, the real estate is there. If you talk about transportation, um, you can leverage platforms like Turo, get around where you can have your, uh, you know, your assets, your vehicles mm. to, you know, to make money for you. You talk about Airbnb, you don't even have to own a home, right? You can rent from a landlord and leverage that to, to rent out on platforms like Airbnb. Uh, so, so there's so many different ways to earn money outside of quote unquote investing you know, into assets that doesn't require your input. So explain some of the advantages of having a life insurance policy and how does it work? Oh man, it's, it's just a lot, man. So first let me say this, man. A lot of people have been sold wrong idea about life insurance, including myself, right? I've always been of the notion that life insurance, of course, when I die, my loved ones will get the benefits or whatnot, which I mean, it's still great for me. I, I, I've always had one. I have a wife and three kids. So, you know, from that standpoint, but when I started to do more research on the different types of life insurance policies, it just changed my whole paradigm, right? So there are specific life insurance policies that allowed you to leverage your policy and actually access money from it while you're still alive right? Specifically index universal life. Now, most people have probably heard of the terminology infinity banking, all right? Infinity banking is basically you being able to get a life insurance policy that has a cash value component to it. So as you're paying your monthly premium, a portion of that is going into this cash value that you can build up significantly over time and access money from that policy. Right. Mm -hmm. this, we're not even talking about the death benefit now. Right. Now, when you talk about the death benefit, if you ever become critically, terminally or chronically ill, you can also access money from that death benefit. Right. So it's a it's a whole lot that's going on with this. And the beautiful thing is that it's tax free. You don't have to pay taxes on your money that's actually earning interest, which is a lot different from your typical investment, your stocks. Um, 401k IRA and things like that. Um, so I've, I've been pushing this to educate people more so as to the importance, not of just, not because of, uh, not because I just want people to have life insurance, but how you can leverage it to actually build and transfer wealth, right? Why do you think the black community as a whole is left in the dark when it comes to financial literacy? 
we we weren't taught right so you know when now this goes back to like generations mm-hmm. right um most people were brought up with the idea of success being you going to school get good education you be you know once you graduate you'll be able to get a good job and so on that's what we were sold so our parents were told the same thing their parents told them the same thing and if you go back you know to generation you know go back generations wise you're talking about slavery now right so financial literacy or financial education was never transferred to you know from generation to generation you see what i'm saying so now we grow up in a situation where all we know is we go to school, when you graduate, the next thing you got to do is to get a job. Nobody ever told us, hey, go to school, learn to network and learn to start a business. Big difference. That's what wealthy people teach their children. Mm. So now by the time we get into the workforce, it's all about catching up. It's all about, hey, I got to pay my bills. Nobody nobody taught you about investing. You see what I'm saying? Nobody taught you how to manage your money. Yet, we went to school to get education to make money, right? So it has to do with what we were taught as kids and then we've grown up with that knowledge. And unfortunately, a lot of parents are transferring the same knowledge to their children. So it becomes a vicious cycle. How do we set up a life insurance policy? And you mentioned the index universal life. Is that like a subsection of a, a life insurance policy? Yeah, it's a type of life insurance policy. So you have term and you have whole life. So under whole life, you have index universal life. Got you, got you, got you. Yeah. Do you care to describe your daily routine? Um. So typically wake up around 4, 4.30 in the morning, uh, you know, do my devotion, uh, you know, read my Bible, I pray from that. That's about an hour to an hour and a half. I hit up the gym for about another hour, uh, come back home, bathe my kids, get get them ready for school. Then we do our family devotion. Uh, Once that's done, take them to the uh, bus stop. And then I come to my office and then literally like my, my schedule is packed with, you know, consultation throughout the course of the day. So as I'm doing that from, you know, from a business standpoint, then I'm still running our staff and agency at the same time, which, of course, we have staff that kind of handle that. But, you know, as the, you know, as one of the key leaders, I still, you know, engage in some of the activities um, with that as well. So by six o'clock, I typically wrap up my day if I don't have any more meetings afterwards. So what do you do to maintain your your mental health? (laughs) And uh, what do you do on the days when you don't want to do everything? Because it's impossible to want to, you know, be sturdy for four thirty a.m. every single day. Right. I mean, yeah. Some days I, I, I don't. I, you know, I might not have enough strength to wake up that early. Right. Not that I don't have enough strength, but I'm just tired. Right. So it might not be consistently, but generally speaking, I wake up. I wake up that early um, to cool down. I just like to you know hang with my kids man just hang with my kids and wife um they're more like my therapy right you know you see kids they don't worry about anything but once i leave the home i got you know i'm thinking about these calls talking to this client and so on um but what really sets up my day is like my first like two to three hours in that morning 
that usually determines how the rest of the day would turn out. So being able to, you know, spend time in the word and praying that gets my mind right. Going to the gym, listening to something inspirational while working out, that get you know that also gets my mind right. So usually, but yeah, go ahead. How are you able to do that on a regular basis consistently? Because I'll, I'll do it maybe for like a handful of days and then stop. So how do you push through that threshold? Yeah, you just set a standard for yourself, right? I mean, once you set a standard, you know, you you you're mentally you get up there. Like you just, you know, like every day I wake up early. That like that's what successful people do, right? Um, you know, successful people save money. So I basically so for me. I've learned that in order for me to be successful, I have to study and watch what successful people are doing. Right. Mm. Um, so I know that successful people wake up early. So that by default, because I want to become successful, I replicate that. Mm. Right. I know that in order for me to uh, to be able to live, you know, a godly life in this insane world, I got to stay connected with the source. So I, I stay in the word. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, like, so my standards determine what I do every day, you know what I mean? Determines what I listen to, what I read, you know, and if you don't have standards, like you just spend your whole day on social media, scrolling mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you wake up whenever you feel like it, you mm -hmm. go to work late because you, you can't like, you know, mm -hmm. I run my own company. I dare not show up to work late. You know what I mean? I can't, but why would I do that? Because it's not a good standard. It's not what I, it's not a standard that I want to set for my staff. You feel me? Yeah. You're the leader. You set the tone. Absolutely. Mm. That, 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 that's very good right there. So how do you, how does one change their inner circle? Cause I saw that you mentioned that, you know, you are who you will hang around. So how does one find the right people to hang around? Just some, um, the first thing is to, um, to change what you're feeding your mind. Like for me, I don't like, let's say you and I were boys, right? And you're doing something contrary to what I want or the way I want to go. I'm not just going to stop hanging with you. I'm not going to tell you, hey, you know, I don't want to hang with you no more. We should stop. We should stop talking. I start to feed my mind with more of what I want. The more I do that, the more I start to attract the right type of people. Mm. See what I'm saying? The reason why you and I are on this call, I mean, this um, podcast is because we attracted each other. You are doing something positive. I'm doing something positive. And by law of attraction, we connected. You see what I'm saying? If mm -hmm. I was a gangbanger, if I was, you know what I'm saying, like shooting videos of me clubbing and doing all these other things, I guarantee you that you would not be reaching out to me. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So the law of attraction, um, you know, somehow some way attracts you to the right people and it detaches you from the wrong people mm. what are, what are some of the best ways to improve your mindset reading hands down that was one of the biggest thing that just transformed my life what's one of the most impact impactful books that you've ever read the bible amen <laughs> yeah your favorite favorite book within the Bible, or verse? Um, Mark. 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 I, I read a scripture, Mark eleven twenty four, about eight years ago, and that verse says, "Um, Jesus said, assuredly I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, 
and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says, he will have whatever he says. That that yeah. one verse changed my life mm. because it, it, Jesus Christ just told us that whatever you speak out of your mouth and you believe it will become your reality. Mm. And I mean, I you can't underestimate that how powerful that statement is. That whatever you speak out of your mouth, that is life producing something. So that one verse has brought me through so many challenges, financially, spiritually, emotionally, physically, because I now understand that my words carry power. You know what I mean? And that's just one verse out of the whole Bible. So imagine like if you spend time in the word every day, the kind of transformation that it happened. So, mm. you know. That's why I said for me, if I get in that book in the morning, like my day is pretty much already set. You feel me? So your your faith and values, was it bestowed upon you uh, from a youth, from your parents, from your family? Um, you know, I went, you know, they took us to church and all of that. That was great, but I was one of those kids that was still, you know, uh, uh, defiant. You know what I'm saying? You know, um, from a very young age, started smoking marijuana, selling drugs, um, joined a gang when I was pretty young, um, got kicked out of multiple schools. You know, I mentioned that I went to, you know, back to Nigeria when I was 16. And that was because my mother really couldn't keep up with my, my behaviors. So she had to send me back home, stayed there for two years, came back when I was 18 um, when I was 19, that's when I gave my life to Christ. So it was at that point that everything just started changing for me as far as like my inner circle, uh, you know, associating with people who are more business minded, much older than I was, much more successful than I was. And, that, you know, the whole game changed at that point. Did you ever have a mentor? Uh, tons of them. My pastor was probably one of my biggest mentors. From a spiritual standpoint, business standpoint, I had lots of business mentors, you know, and that was like I said, your inner circle is the, the will, will make you or break you, you know what I mean? Because while I was in college, I was associated with people who are millionaires. So like my mindset was so different at that age that I just knew that there was no way for me to be a failure if I continue to associate with people who are much more successful than I was. On your self-improvement journey, about how many years did you have to dedicate to it for you to start to see some tangible results? Every every day, every year since I was uh, 18 years old. And so at, at what age did you start to see a remembrance of something of what you, you saw in your mind prior? Uh, I would say about 25, 25-ish. Yeah, hmm. about. Got, and, and how old are you now? I'm 36. Got you, got you. And my last question is, what is the number one thing that rich people do and the number one thing that poor people do? Well, I won't say number one because there's so many things. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we've already talked about, you know, how you relate with money, you know, saving a portion of your income. Uh, the biggest piece also will be what you feed your mind, right? Rich people, successful people associate with successful people, right? So if you're not successful and you understand the importance of association, then it behooves you to find people 
who are successful and follow them. So when I say, you know, associated with successful people, it doesn't mean that we have to be in the same proximity, right? It could be somebody on social media doing positive things. And you say, man, I got to follow this guy. I got to watch him. That's what I do. I have very few friends, but, and if you watch like people that I follow, I hardly follow anybody because I realize that the people you follow would determine the type of content that you see on your newsfeed. So once I discover that, I just don't, just because you're my friend, don't mean I'm a follower because I don't know what you like to do in your personal time. So I intentionally searching keywords, inspiration, motivation. So that way, that's the only thing that I see on my newsfeed. Only yeah. thing. You know what I mean? So that's a way for you to associate with successful people. And like I said, the moment you get in that zone, by default, you start to attract positive people, successful people to you and doors just open up from there. Wow. Fantastic. That's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to us. I appreciate you. Appreciate you.